0: Open your Bibles to the book of Mark chapter 8 as we will continue in our series this summer entitled Mighty Moments in the book of Mark. And as you make your way there, I want to give one quick update from last week's message. We talked about God's word from the womb. And one of the uh, challenges in that was basically challenging individuals to think through a whole church family how God could use all of us in the area of adoption, foster care, or foster care support. And uh, praise the Lord, I've had uh, so many people reach out and say, Pastor Zach, how can we serve? And everybody does have a part where they can play, and that doesn't mean you necessarily inviting a child into your home. And so one of the greatest ways to investigate this process, I would say to you, is uh, just begin to reach out to people who are walking that journey or who are already in that uh, journey. We've got uh, Miss Lindsay Jenkins, who leads up the North Jefferson Foster Care Closet, a ministry that we get to sponsor here at Enon. You can go and ask her. You can ask Brother Micah and Rachel Loggins, our Associate Minister of Music. And then also you can come and ask Kimberly and I, and we can help answer some of those questions. But what I would say is put on your calendar Sunday, November 20th. And we're going to have a Foster and Adopt Sunday And on that Sunday, Mr. Todd McMitchin, he is the director of the Alabama Baptist Children's Home He's going to be here with us that morning And he's going to talk to us about how we can play a part in this ministry But church family, I'm so excited to hear God stirring the hearts of our, of our church towards this vital need I believe there's nothing that pleases the heart of God More So with that being said, though, I'm going to ask you to stand with me this morning and reverence the reading of God's Word, Mark chapter 8, beginning in verse 1. It says, Now in those days when there was again a large crowd, this is speaking of those who are gathering to hear Jesus teach, and they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples and said to them, I feel compassion for the people because they've remained with me now three days and have had nothing to eat. If I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way. And some of them have come from a great distance. The disciples answered him, Where will anyone be able to find enough bread here in this desolate place to satisfy these people? And he was saying to them, How many loaves do you have? And they said, Seven. He directed the people to sit down on the ground. And taking the seven loaves, he gave thanks and broke them and started giving them to his disciples to serve them. And they served them to the people. They also had a few small fish. And after he had blessed them, he ordered these to be served as well. And they ate and were satisfied. And they picked up seven large baskets full of what was left over of the broken pieces. About 4,000 were there. And he sent them away. Let's pray this morning. Father, I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name. Father, in the same way that you did the miraculous to meet the needs of hungry people. God, I pray that you would stir our faiths here this morning to believe that you are still the God who can divide the fish and the loaves. And God, I pray that you would even this morning feed people's physical hearts and God, even in their physical bodies, and their spiritual hearts as well. And so, Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. You may be seated. Now, in this passage, this is probably one of my favorite miracles we see in the Gospels of Jesus. We see here Jesus, he is feeding 4,000 people with just seven loaves and a few small fish. This was a supernatural moment. This is not the only time that Jesus had done this. If you back up to Mark chapter 6, we see again Jesus feeding a great multitude of 5,000 people with just a few loaves and Fish, and again, we see him giving bread. This I told the, the first service, this is one of the reasons why I have a hard time getting in on the, the keto diet it's because I just believe Jesus loves bread, you know, and he loves carbs. And so, uh, but here in this passage, we do see a lot of things uh, that I believe that can glean truths today for all of our souls this morning. So, the title of our message today is How God Brings Dinner in the Desert, and we're going to talk about God's provision during difficult times. Now this is a relatively short story in the ministry of Jesus. We don't know a lot about the setting of this story other than we have individuals who had been following Jesus for three days. And that he would follow, they were following him to a desolate place is what the disciples say here. We've got a couple of clues about the setting of this situation. Uh, being that the Bible says that they were too far away to send to another city. The Bible also says here that Jesus told them when he asked them to sit down that they sat down on the ground versus in Mark chapter 6 when he asked them to sit down. The Bible says that he asked them to sit down on the grass. So the fact that here we see calling them to sit down on the ground gives us the idea of rock or sand and even we see there again the disciples calling it a desolate place shows us that this is a very remote situation and the people were hungry and honestly If Jesus didn't step in and provide and do something special in this moment, they were all likely to be in a bad situation. I want to say, church family, some of you feel like you're in a similar place today. Things aren't necessarily bad in the moment, but the horizon looks uncertain. Some of you may be thinking, I'm okay today, but I am not sure about tomorrow. In our times, we can all feel somewhat uncertain about the financial horizon. As inflation continues to rise, the prices of gas and goods continue to go up. We all feel the crunch in our billfolds and in our bank accounts. We can feel uncertain about the political horizon. As we see in our nation, uh, one side of our nation continuing to go further and further away from the things of God. And then there are those who hold to more of a traditional value of, of, of American values, which ultimately are grounded in Scripture. There seems to be no more place for common ground or compromise anymore. And honestly, we can all feel uncertain today in our societal horizon. Places in our nation and in our country that used to seem safe. It seemed a safe haven for innocence. Places like schools and churches are no longer places where we can feel 100% safe. And so for all of these reasons and so many more, some of us may be in that situation where our moments seem to be difficult. Church family, I know that many of you here today are struggling And I want to encourage you this morning through this passage that this text reminds us that whatever situation we're in, whatever your horizon may look like, God is still a God who can provide. And so this morning I want to give you a few truths today from this passage. If you're keeping notes, our first is this. First, this text shows us that Jesus has compassion on his people who are in difficult moments. In verse 1 of this passage, we're introduced to the fact that their difficulty is at hand, that they're hungry and they have nothing to eat. But in verse 2, we see a very important word that shows us Jesus' love and ministry towards his people. He says, I feel compassion for the people. The Greek word compassion here is what what we would use for intestines or bowels. You know, when we talk about feeling for someone emotionally in our culture, we usually talk about your heart. You know, You talk about love and these things, you talk about it in the heart. But in the Greeks, they understood the seat of our compassion and our pity to be in your stomach. And the truth is, that's kind of usually where we feel it. If you watch somebody going through a terrible situation and you feel compassion or empathy for them, it's usually it hits you right here. And that's why we use the terminology, I saw that on the news and I felt like I had been punched in the gut. And the truth is, is that's what this word means in the Greek. Jesus felt compassion for the people. He felt it in his spirit burdened for the people. Now there are two truths here in this passage that can help us understand Jesus' compassion for his people when we go through difficult seasons. First, from this passage, we see that Jesus has a unique compassion on those who are following him. Now don't get me wrong, the Bible makes it clear that Jesus loves all people and desires them to come to know him. It's one of the reasons why we have the most foundational, one of the most foundational verses in the New Testament is one most of us have probably memorized. John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. All of the Bible points to the fact that through Jesus, God provided forgiveness of sin to the world, which was all of our greatest need. However, the word compassion, as we see it here in Mark chapter 8, only occurs 12 times in the New Testament. And in each reference, everyone is pointing towards those who are followers of Jesus or are specifically pursuing Jesus like we see here in Mark chapter 8. Now the reason why this is important to know is that while God loves all the world, His promises of provision and care for people who don't follow Him stop at the gift of salvation to all who receive Him. Receive Him. Any ministry in our lives beyond providing salvation is uniquely available by God only to those who seek Him. This is important. In short, God loves the world. But if you want Him to be at work in your lives in difficult seasons, there is no guarantee that you will have that if you are not following Him. But if you are a child of God, then all of the promises of God are available to you. In Galatians chapter 4, verse 7, Paul speaks about how the rights of a son of God are different from the rights of those who are slaves to sin. It says, therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if then a son, you are an heir through God. To be an heir means you live in line for an inheritance or a promise. What he's saying there, for the sons of God, for those who are followers of Jesus, you you are heir to a promise, to many promises in Him. But that's not available to those who are not heirs. We know from Scripture that God in His goodness, that He often blesses unbelievers who do not follow Him simply because He's good. The Bible says in Mark chapter 5, In Matthew chapter 5, that God sends rain on the just and the unjust. However, sons of God are heirs only to the promises of God. So if you're in a difficult situation today, and if you're an unbeliever, God may have compassion on you. But if you're a follower of Jesus and are in a difficult situation, I want you to know today that God will have compassion on you. So, so, we're just as we're looking at Jesus' compassion on those who've been following him for three days in this passage. They were facing a difficult situation, a hunger crisis, and Jesus had compassion on them. And his compassion for them was not accidentally, it was not randomly, but it was covenantly. It was promised because, as Hebrews says in Hebrews eleven sixteen, that God is the rewarder of those who seek him. Now, you may say, Pastor Zach, what does this mean to me? Well, it means to me, if you're in a difficult situation today and you're a follower of Jesus, you have the compassion of God this morning as a promise and not as a possibility. According to Jeremiah chapter 3, verses 22 and 23, the steadfast love of the Lord indeed never ceases, His mercies never end. They are new each morning. Great is your faithfulness. However, if you're a follower of Jesus today, the reality, if you're not a follower of Jesus today, the reality is that you should not expect anything from God until you are willing to acknowledge your sin and give your life to Christ and make Him your Savior and Lord. But the first thing we need to see this morning is that Jesus has compassion for His people. I want you to know this morning, church family, that if you're a follower of Jesus, it doesn't matter what dark situation you're in, Jesus sees you and He feels for you. Secondly, from this passage, we find that Jesus' compassion means that he sees and understands the difficulties we face. The Bible makes it clear that Jesus sees and relates to all the struggles we go through in life as his children. Matthew chapter 6, verse 8 reminds us that Jesus says that your father knows your needs before you even ask. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 reminds us that our Savior sympathizes with us. In this passage today, as Jesus is preparing to feed these hungry people in a difficult situation, we're given some beautiful clues into the depths in which we can see how Jesus sees and understands our difficulties. Look with me again at verses 2 and 3. Jesus said, I feel compassion for the people because they've remained with me now three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way and some of them have come from a great distance. Now the first clue about the depth of Jesus' compassion is that in this passage we find that Jesus sees and understands the facts of the difficulties we face. Here Jesus, we see Jesus showed that he was aware of the people's situation in that they had gone three days without eating and they had nothing with them. Jesus sees their situation Sometimes when we're going through a difficult moment in life, we can question if God is really practically aware of the difficulty of the situations in our lives. Anybody ever been there before? We say, oh God, do you really see where I am? Do you know what I'm going through? We can wonder sometimes, God, do you really exist in the real world beyond Sunday mornings? But like we see here, God is aware of the facts of the struggles we face. Twice in this passage, Jesus refers to the fact that the people had not eaten. Church family, God knows how much money is or is not in your bank account. God knows the problems with your people at work. God knows the charges that you may face in court. There's nothing that escapes his vision. God knows the facts of your life. Also in this passage, we find that Jesus sees and understands the feelings of the difficulties we face. I love how in verse 3, Jesus refers to the fact that the people were hungry. The Son of God was aware of the growling bellies of His faithful followers. Though their spirits were being fed as He taught them, He also knew that their stomachs were empty. When we face difficult times, we can have a wide range of feelings and emotions. The Bible refers to the soul of man as his consciousness And this is the place where we feel and understand. In moments of difficulties, our souls can express feelings in many different ways. When we're in difficult seasons, we can feel hungry. We can feel worried. We can feel tired. We can feel afraid. We can feel angry. We can feel depressed. And we can feel discouraged. And a host of other emotions. God gave us these emotions as part of being created in His image. And He sees and understands how we feel in the worst of situations. Psalms chapter 34, verse 18 says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. It means he is, He's near. He understands how we feel. Some of you this morning, you're like ducks on a pond. You came here this morning and on the outside you look great. Man, you're quacking at people in the parking lot. You're quacking at people in the foyer. You're smiling and heads up. Everything looks good. It looks calm. But underneath the surface, your legs are kicking and you are working through the toils emotionally, the pains and struggles and fears of your life. And nobody else around you sees that. But I want you to know something this morning, church, that God sees under the surface. He sees what's going on in your core. He sees your fear and your anxieties. He sees your worries and your pains. He knows where you are. So God doesn't just know your facts. He doesn't just know your feelings. Finally, in this passage, we know that Jesus sees and understands the future of the difficulties we face. I love how in verse 3 of this passage, Jesus is aware of what will happen in the future if he doesn't step in. He says, if I send them away to their homes, they will faint along the way. Now, church family, this is actually a pretty amazing moment in the Bible. Even though Jesus knew that he was about to feed these people in the near future in a supernatural way, he still is compassionate about the fact that, they're, that from their eyes, their future looked bleak. Now, what should this say to us this morning? This passage should say to us that in moments when we're worried about the future, even though God would want us to trust him, he still understands our worries and is compassionate towards us. Now think about this. Jesus is about to feed them. He knows that they've got nothing to fear on the other side. But he's also intimately aware of their present. That if I send them away, they're going to faint along the way. He understood the reality of their, their physical reality. But he also knew his sovereign and spiritual reality. Now we want our faith to live in the sovereign spiritual reality. We want to wake up tomorrow morning and trust that God is the God of today just like He is the God of tomorrow. And praise God we have that hope. But hear me this morning. God also knows your fears for today. In the same way as we have our kids here this morning, in the same way you as a parent, when your children have irrational fears, they come to you about the monsters under the bed. Now you can turn on the lights. You can raise up the the, the sheets and you can show them everything's good under the bed. But even then, even when they're still worried with irrational fears, your mothers and fathers, you still comfort them in their fear. What's so beautiful about this situation is Jesus' compassion is that, yes, he wants to assure us that everything's going to be okay. He wants us to walk in greater faith about our future. But at the same time, he still holds you when you're worried as we wrap up this last truth today about His compassion towards us, how does Jesus give us dinner in a desert place? We've got to know that he's compassionate towards us. I want to remind you, of just this last week I had an opportunity to uh, go to our kids, we'll go with our kids to kids' camp. And I had an opportunity to speak to him, speak from Romans uh, chapter 7. And we were talking about how to live for Jesus. And, and as I was talking to him through that, the last point we ended on was was Paul says in, in Romans 7, as he's struggling, he says, but thanks be to God who gives me victory through Jesus Christ my Lord. And I reminded him, guys, as you do the best you can to try to honor God where you are, know that Jesus is always there to help you. And he's always available when you need him. And I told our sweet kiddos, I said, kiddos, Jesus knows your name. He knows your nickname. He knows the bed that you sleep in. He knows the desk that you will sit in at school. He knows your best friend's name and your worst enemy's name. He sees you right where you are and you can always call on him. I would also say this morning as we as adults go through difficult situations in our life, the same is true for you today. If you know Jesus, your compassionate Savior, I want you to know that He sees you. He sees you in your beds at night. He sees you as you weep in the shower. He sees you as as you look over your finances and there's more bills at the end of the month than there is paychecks in the month. He sees you right where He are and He cares and He is a compassionate Savior towards you. Sometimes you just got to remind yourself that you're more than just a follower of Jesus, which you are, but you are a child of God there's a song that sometimes and I have to remind myself of that I sing and it goes this way and he knows my name and he knows my every thought and he sees each tear that falls and hears me when I call Church family, let's give the Lord Jesus praise and thank Him, man, knowing that He sees us, He's compassionate towards us this morning. The second truth this text shows us is that Jesus desires to meet the needs of His people in difficult seasons. Here in this passage, it's clear that Jesus seeing their need and having compassion for them was the first step to Him stepping in to meet their needs. In Mark chapter 8, when He says to His disciples, if we send them away, they will faint on the way. Essentially, what Jesus is saying to his disciples, he's saying, guys, look at this problem. Something must be done. We cannot let it stand as is. This passage shows us that God's compassion moves him to action. Now, let me give you a little time out here for a moment. Now, we all, let me say this. We all know that sometimes when we are in difficult seasons of life and need God's provision, that God doesn't always step in and meet our needs in the way or in the timing that we would desire. Can I get an amen here to that this morning? You know where we are. It's those moments in life where you've just got to trust Him to know that God's working a plan that you can't see. However, an honest look in our lives and within Scripture shows us that more often than not, God steps in at just the right moment and meets our needs. We see this all over the Scripture. We see that as God's people were suffering in Egypt, And called out to God that God heard their cries. We see that when Elijah was hungry in the wilderness that God fed him with ravens from the sky. If you've been reading your one year Bible uh, recently then just this last week you read about the Shunammite woman. The Bible says that Elisha came to her house and, and she was in financial debt. And was about to lose her two children to be sold as slaves to pay her debt. But Elisha stepped in and said what do you have in order to basically provide funds. She says, I have one small jar of oil. And he said... Well, go and gather every pot and every container in your house, and then go to your neighbors and gather some more and bring all these things together. Then she said, He said, then if you'll just start pouring the oil out of that one jar, then it will fill all the other jars in the house, and you can take it and go and sell it and pay off your debt. And you can imagine where this woman would have been in that moment, but she had just enough faith. She had nothing else left except to trust God. Church family, say something to you this morning. When you get to the end of your rope and you've got nothing else left but to trust God often that's the ground in which God's about to show up and so she goes and she gathers all these pots and all these different vases and and you can imagine her, her house is just covered in these things like somebody's house who's leaking during a storm and she starts to pour she fills up the first pot Hey, there's still more. I don't know what's going on. She steps over. She fills up the second pot. She goes to the third and fills it up. And before it's all said and done, she's filled every pot in her house with high-priced oil. She takes that oil. She brings it and sells it and pays off her debt. God had shown up. Church family, I want you to know something here today. That more times than not in my own life personally and all throughout Scripture, yes, there are times when we've got to trust God when we don't see Him working, but at the same time, church family, there's nothing wrong with celebrating the fact that more often than not, God steps in at just the right time. Now, you may say, Pastor Zach, why does God do that? Well, the only answer I can give is according to Matthew chapter 7, verse 11, He's a good Father who the Bible says gives good gifts. To his children. Now I could go around this room and ask for stories of how God has provided. And I'm sure all of us in this room could give some. I know I could give several personally, but one of my favorite I actually heard just this last week or a week before last. I was in California and I got to at the Southern Baptist Convention and I got to spend some time with Bill Eliff, who was the founding pastor of the Summit Church in Arkansas, where we served previously. He's actually gonna be coming preaching one of our nights of revival for our hundred and fifty year anniversary celebration. As I got to talk to him about this text and preparing to preach this text, we started talking about ways that God had stepped in and provided. And he told me a story. He said, Zach, when we were early in ministry and we had just finished having all of our children, they have eight children, full house at the Elf House, And so that we were in a, in a tight financial situation and we needed a new car Holly, his wife's car, was in bad shape and he was constantly, she was getting broke down on the side of the road and was having to get towed and was having to show up to jump her off and so many different things. And he was really getting worried and frustrated about it. And he said one night he got a phone call from one of his dearest friends that said, Bill, I felt as though God wanted me to call you to just check on you. Is there anything going on? He said, well, actually, there is. I'm, I'm in a bad situation right now. You know, we're, we're, we need a car. And he explained the whole situation. And, but he doesn't know, I don't know where I could get the funds for something like this. And he said, Bill, have you prayed about it? And he said it was a real humbling moment for this senior pastor to say, no, actually, I haven't. He got off the phone, he gathered his wife together, and, and he started to pray. Lord, this is what we need. You know we have a large family. We thank you for our children. We thank you for everything that you've given us. And God, will be faithful no matter what it is. But we really could use a car. And he said, God, I, I can't imagine a car that would do our family better than just a station wagon. God, if you could, we could really, really use a station wagon. And he said that he was just about to end his prayer. And then he said, and Lord, one more thing. I'd really like for it to be loaded. He said his wife looked at him and said, Bill. And he said, baby, he already knows what I want, you know. He went to bed and got up that next morning and they got a phone call. It was a man from their church that was a car dealer. And he called Bill and he said, Bill, I've never heard from the Lord like I heard from the Lord last night. I heard that God told me that you guys needed a car and we just got a new station wagon on our lot and I'm going to lease it for free. I'm going I'm to lease it for you for three years and we're going to cover all the maintenance and we're going to take care of it. And he said he was so thankful and they were just praising the Lord. He explained how he had just prayed about that the night before and it was a blessing to the car dealer. And it was a blessing to him. And he said right before he got off the phone, he said, Well, Bill, I really think you're going to be pleased. It's a great car and it's loaded. Church family, it's okay for us to say that God desires to meet the needs of His people, not because we deserve it, but because He's a good Father. And some of you have needs today. And I just want you to know this morning, to rustle up enough faith in your heart that God is still the God who can divide the loaves and fish and feed His people and bring those needs to the Lord. Sometimes God will give us a no, and in those moments we'll have to trust Him. But hear me today, church. Don't take away an opportunity for God to give you a yes. And then finally, our last truth this morning is that this text shows that Jesus is able to provide for his people who are in difficult moments in life. In verses 4 through 8, we see the climax of this story as Jesus provided for the people in a miraculous way. And he invited the disciples to play a part in that. Look with me again at verse 4. So the disciples answered him, Where will anyone be able to find enough bread here in this desolate place to satisfy these people? And he was asking them, how many loaves do you have? And they said, seven. He directed the people to sit down on the ground. And taking the seven loaves, he gave them and broke them and started giving them to his disciples to serve them. And they served them to the people. They also had a few small fish. And after he had blessed them, he ordered these to be served as well. And they ate and were satisfied. Underline that word in your Bible. And they picked up seven large baskets all of what was left over of the broken pieces, and about four, thousand were there, and He sent them away. Now there's so much we can see here in this text, but the overarching picture is that Jesus met their needs. I love the fact they started off with seven loaves and they ended up with seven baskets. is that God ended up taking what they had and multiplying it sevenfold. As he met their needs. Can I say something to you, church? When you go through a situation and then God steps in and provides for you, not only does he meet your need, but you always end up having leftover. And I'm not talking about financially or those things, but my faith goes from being a loaf to a basket after I've seen God step in. But there's a few things in this passage that I want to end on this morning to help us know how do we function as we bring our needs to God and the needs of others. First, this text reminds us that we must combat a lack of faith that God can meet our needs in difficult moments. Look there, when the disciples, Jesus asked the disciples, we need to feed these people. They said, where would we find enough food for these people in such a desolate place? Now that seems pretty natural to some extent, but we've got to remember here, this is not the first time that Jesus has done this. Going back to Mark chapter 6, and he fed 5,000 people with just a few loaves and fish. You would think that the disciples would say, hey, Lord, are you going to do it again? (laughs) Is this going to happen again? No. They're doubting again. And why is that? I think that honestly the truth is is that we need to remember that our natural state is not a natural state of faith. Is that we have to walk in faith. The Bible says we have to walk in faith and not by sight. We have to discipline ourselves to think in faith. And so if you're here today and you're in a difficult situation, you need God to step in. It's okay to ask the Lord as the, the, the man who is bringing his child to Jesus to be healed of the demon. saying, "Oh Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Now, there are those in the name it and claim it camp that believe that if you have a need, that you bring that need to God, and if God doesn't meet that need, it must be that you don't have enough faith. Well, as Brother John Hambright used to say, there's a Greek word for that, and that is hogwash. There are plenty of instances in Scripture with men and women who had great faith that God didn't meet their need as as, as they hoped. The Apostle Paul begged God to heal him. And God said to him, my grace is sufficient for you. Having faith doesn't guarantee that God will always answer when we need Him. But hear me this morning, church. But having no faith can often guarantee that we'll never see God meet the needs that we never bring to Him in faith. Did you hear that? Let me say that again here. Having faith doesn't guarantee that God always does what we ask him to do. But having no faith virtually does guarantee that we'll never see God work because we don't ever ask him and believe him for it. James chapter 4, verse 2 says, You have not because you ask not. Friends want to ask this question do we believe today that God can supernaturally meet the needs of others and those around us? Sadly, in the church, our church, our faith. It's often on life support. And we need a people. We need to be a people who believe. Church family, Jesus is still the one who can move and work among his people. Secondly, this text reminds us that when we're going through a difficult moment, that often the posture for God's people as we wait for him to provide is for us to rest. Sometimes God just wants us to rest. He told him to sit down on the ground. Now, now, don't get me wrong again here. There are certain things, especially when you're talking about provision, that God calls us to do. God calls us to work, to earn a living. God calls us to live financially within our means. God calls us to live wisely. And, and listen, those, what the, the reality is, is that sometimes we can do all those things well and still have needs. And in those moments when you say, God, I've done everything I can do. Maybe your need is your children's spiritual journey. You've done everything that you can do to provide for your children, to shepherd your children, but you still have a need. In those moments when you've done all that you can do, sometimes God just wants you to rest, to just wait on Him. All over Scripture we see waiting on the Lord is one of our greatest disciplines. Thirdly, this passage shows us that Jesus can do great things for His glory. Now, first off here, we just need to pause and think about the gravity of what has taken place. Seven loaves and a few fish. He gave thanks and everybody was satisfied. This story should remind us that there is nothing that God can't do to meet the needs of his people. Matthew chapter 19 verse 26 says, With God all things are possible. As we sing about this morning, sometimes we just need to remember that we are children of El Shaddai, God Almighty that He is the God who parted the seas. He's the God who brought down fire from heaven. He is the God who healed the sick. He is the God who raised the dead. He is the God who proclaimed truth. He is the God that defeated sin on the cross. He is the God that three days later walked out of the tomb. He is the God that is presently alive and seated at the right hand of the Father. And He is the God that one day will return and step back on this earth and be worshipped as King of kings and Lord of lords. Sometimes, sure we got to remember that God is still God. Also, this story should encourage us to believe for the impossible today in our own lives. Why is that? Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, speaking of Jesus, it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Church family, I've seen God do the impossible. And I believe we should believe for that again today. One of my favorite stories to tell when I preach about Jesus feeding the multitudes here is I love to tell the story about my brother. Right after my older brother came to faith in Christ, um, the Lord did a radical work in him. He was born again and and then uh, about a year or two later the Lord called him to preach. And so he was working with college students in this area and so... uh, one night he got together with a guy who did homeless ministry in downtown Birmingham. And they got a, a van load of some college students and they went to Kentucky Fried Chicken. And they bought about 25 uh, buckets of chicken and a cooler full of drinks. And they were going to all these places where homeless people kind of hung out. It was during the winter. They were giving them some chicken, getting them something to drink and just sharing the gospel with them. And it had been a great night. They administered to a lot of great people and served the Lord and it was wonderful. They had one bucket of chicken left, and they told the guy, they said, Hey, man, we don't want to throw it away. Is there anywhere else? And he said, You know, there's one little vacant lot where usually if you guys hang out, we can go there, and that'll probably take care of it. Well, they pulled up to this vacant lot. Instead of there being two or three guys, there's 15, 20 guys there at this uh, lot. And they knew immediately that they didn't have enough chicken to be able to, to feed all of them. So they got together, and they prayed. My brother told all the other people in the group, said, hey, you guys, y'all all give out the chips and drinks and stuff, and I'll just, I'll just give out the chicken to first come, first serve, first guys I can come to. So he's holding this bucket of chicken, and he starts walking through the crowd, and he gives a couple pieces to some guys, and one guy came up to him and said, hey, man, can, can you help out my buddy? He's in a wheelchair. He's over here next to the fire, and, uh, it, and he always misses out on it. Can you just save the last piece for him? And my brother said, sure, I got it. So they start going, he starts handing out chicken, he starts handing out chicken, guys keep coming up, and about halfway through it, he, he keeps filling around the bucket, and is waiting to fill that last piece of chicken, and, he, and he, every time he reaches down there, there's still a bunch of chicken in the bucket, and he said, at one point, he said, what's going on? He started to look down the bucket, and he said, the Holy Spirit spoke into his heart and said, Kyle, don't look down. Okay, just kept reaching in the bucket, kept reaching in the bucket. Kept reaching in the bucket, started handing this guy, this guy, this guy. Starts going around, and finally he looks down, and he's standing at the guy in the wheelchair. He looks up, and every man there is eating a piece of chicken. He looks in; he's got one piece of chicken left, and he gives it to that guy. As he turns around and looks at the band of all these college students that were with him, they're all weeping as they're watching God do a miracle in downtown Birmingham. Church family. Church family, the supernatural is just that. It's supernatural. It's beyond what we could do or we could imagine. But what I would say to you this morning, church, is we just need enough faith. Just one time to say, Oh God, whether you choose to do it or not, may it not be because I don't have enough faith to believe. And lastly this morning, I'm going to ask for the Ron to begin to come. The last truth in this story that I want to remind us of it's something that the Lord, I've honestly never seen before in the scriptures was that how God wants to use us, invites us in the process of him working and moving in powerful ways think about this, this is the son of God and he looks out and he sees some hungry people, this is Jesus who has always been He is Alpha and Omega beginning and the end. He's the first and the last. He was there at the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth. All things are created by him and through him and for him. He was there in the wilderness when the people were hungry. What did God do in the wilderness? They were hungry and they needed bread. He called down manna from heaven. Brought in quail with the wind. For 40 years, he fed them like that. Jesus could have very easily looked at these 4,000 and said, bread and bread come down from heaven. But instead, he looks to his disciples and he says, how many loaves do you have? See, Jesus is setting up a principle in His disciples that would be carried on throughout the life of the church is that we would be the hands and feet of Jesus and that God could do abundantly more than we could ever do in and of ourselves. But God wants us to make ourselves available and then through us, He can divide it and do extraordinary things through His people. And He invited the disciples to be a part of that. Church families, we talk about God meeting needs in the lives of difficult situations. This is what we are supposed to be as a church. Galatians makes it real clear that we are supposed to remember the poor. This is part of the responsibility of the church is to remember the poor, remember those who are around us. And church family, people around us are hurting right now. This is a difficult situation, difficult season financially right now. And we already do that through your gifts, tithes, and offerings in so many different ways. One of the things that we were able to do even just this last week is we were able to bless a local Baptist church with five thousand dollar check Uh, that God just laid on our hearts to be able to do from the blessing funds uh, that we put aside this year. When I called the pastor and told him that, he started to weep over the phone because they had just uh, secured a deal with another church in Coleman to get some portable classrooms brought in because they don't have enough space to do life groups and they're about to renovate. They're going to have to renovate the inside of these classrooms and this pastor was weeping saying, Zach, you don't know what that means to my faith that we're doing the right things to know that when we make a decision that God stepped in and met some of those funds. Praise God for that. We were able just this last week to pay a church member's house payment who was in a difficult situation. Just this last week to pay another church member's power bill. Church family, we do this all the time through your faithful giving of your tithes and offerings, those things that are built into your budget, built into our budget. So this morning, we encourage you to give your tithes and offerings like you normally do. In the back of the room, you know, we've got those collection boxes. You can give online. You can take an envelope out of the seat back in front of you and you can give. And that way, I encourage you, please continue to do that. I am not a big fan of special offerings because I believe and we put it into our budget. We build it in our budget. But as I prayed this last week, God laid on my heart to invite us this morning to do something different. To do one-time gift. Ask you to give a one-time gift above your normal tithes and offerings. All throughout Scripture, we see in movements of God, we see people giving generously. We see people giving of what they had to meet the needs of others. We see it in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And So this morning, in these two baskets up front, Brother, Ken's about to come and lead us into worship. Remember, this is not your tithes and offerings. This is just a one-time gift. I want to invite you to pray this morning. Does God lay on your heart anything that you can give? What you give in these next few moments, 100% of it will go to benevolence, which is to meet the needs of the people around us. And what we hope to do this next week is to go purchase a bunch of gas cards. And that we're going to put the word out in the community. Because right now there are those people who are having to choose between buying milk or buying gas to get to work. And how of a blessing could it be if they could just contact us and let us know that we can have one of our ministers or one of our deacons go to their house and put a 100 dollars gas card in their hand, pray with them, share Jesus with them, just to know that we love them. And you can play a part in making that happen. You can give your loaves and see what God does does with it from there. And what a better day to do it than the day that we got our kiddos here with us this morning to watch us do that. Now, you can give in a couple of different ways. You can give cash, you can give a check. We even, because this was spontaneous and nobody knew that, we even, we've got a Venmo. <laughs> if you would like to Venmo, don't give anything to it beyond today. is <laughs> just the, we're going to shut it down after today. But this is where you can actually give. And I encourage you, even if you give on Venmo, come forward. And just let it be known, man. Hey, I'm giving unto the Lord. I want to invite you to pray about that. But here's one last thing. If you are here this morning and you have a need, you say, Pastor Zach, I coasted it on fumes this morning. I got to buy groceries and I don't know what I'm going to buy. I've got a power bill that needs to be paid. As some are coming to give, you feel free to come and take what you need out of the basket. If you need $100, if you need $500, you take what you need out of the basket. If you're not comfortable coming forward in this moment, that is totally understandable. At the conclusion of the service, Brother Luke and Brother Donnie will be up here. They can help you take out of the basket what you may need to go home to meet your needs. And then if that's still not comfortable with you, let your life group leader know. And your life group leader will get in touch with us. Church family, in the name of Jesus, may no shame keep anyone this morning from being loved and cared for in Jesus' name. This is what the church is supposed to be. And then maybe today your need is not financial. Maybe your need is spiritual. As you come, one of our ministers will be here, and we'd, one of our counselors, and we'd just love to pray for you. Maybe you need Jesus this morning. We'd love to talk to you about it, what it means to come to faith in Christ. Come forward and let us pray for you. But today, I want to invite everybody who's here, if you're a follower of Christ, to pray about, God, do you want me to give above and beyond my tithe some small gesture that's 10 bucks, 20 bucks? God lays anything on your heart above and beyond that to bless people around us. Can we do that this morning and see what God does with it? I'm going to ask you to stand. Let this be a holy moment before the Lord. I'm going to pray. Brother Ken's going to begin to lead us. If you want to come and give a gift, you feel free to come. Again, this is your tithes and offerings still go in the collection boxes in the back. This is, this is just this special time. And if you need somebody to pray for you, we'll be up front. So let me pray. Lord, in Jesus' name, would you move on our hearts to do what you would have us to do. May you be glorified in these next few moments. In Jesus' name, amen. Feel free to come now.